Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to preview this weekend's NFC Championship game between the Philadelphia Birds and the San Francisco 49ers, 3 o'clock, Lincoln Financial Field. A trip to the Super Bowl on the line, and the vibes, the feelings... Everybody feeling good about the Eagles' chances of getting back to the Super Bowl for the second time in five years. Joining me in just a moment to help break it all down is Rob Stats Guerrero, one of the great minds on the 49ers. He's going to join us in a few minutes from the Gold Standard podcast to talk about Brock Purdy. We're going to talk about the 49ers' offense, matchups to watch, the defense, how he thinks the Eagles are going to come at them, and what the 49ers could do. we got a lot to cover here on this edition of the podcast, but just to kind of set some things up here for you. The 49ers come into this game riding a 12-game winning streak. This is the second ever meeting in the postseason between these two teams. The Eagles lost back in 1996 on a rainy, muddy, nasty day in San Francisco, 14 to nothing. Uh, Just last year, these two teams met up with the 49ers beating the Eagles 17-11. I believe that was in week two. Um, This is the Philadelphia Eagles' eighth NFC Championship game. That's been talked about uh, quite a bit over these uh, last few days. This is the 18th NFC Championship game for the San Francisco 49ers. And really, this is a matchup of two very evenly matched teams. The 49ers all season long have been great against the run. The Eagles' running game has been maybe the best in the NFL. Uh, the Eagles' passing game has been on fire, but the 49ers do a great job in the pa- in, 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 against the pass uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Some trouble with wide receivers. We're going to get into that with Rob here in just a second as well. But you've got a great Eagles offense. Maybe the most confounding offense for an opposing defense in the NFL because there are just so many different ways they can beat you. But the 49ers have so many dogs on that defense. Great tackling. They wrap guys up. They don't give an inch. So physical. I think it's I think it's telling that no NFL team this year won the following week after playing the 49ers the week before. This team delivers hits. You don't want to play this defense. They are exceedingly tough and exceedingly well coached by D'Amico Ryans. That being said, they have not faced an offense like the one they're going to see from the Philadelphia Eagles. As good as the Dallas Cowboys offense has been, Dak Prescott was up and down all season long, threw a ton of interceptions all season long. That continued in the NFC title game. And the Eagles offense has been among the most efficient in football when Jalen Hurts is healthy. The Eagles have lost one game with Jalen Hurts this year. 
That is the team that will be hosting a loaded 49ers team at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday afternoon. Uh, joining me to help break it all down from a 49ers perspective is Rob Stats Guerrera. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Stats on Fire. And uh, Rob, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And you have a new podcast you're starting up, right? Can you talk a little about it? Yep. It's the Gold Standard Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Pods. You can find it on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, basically, it's me and a few other hosts, and uh, we're going all in on Niners coverage all the time. All right. And no shortage of things to talk about, obviously. Um, so uh, I think this matchup is is really intriguing, obviously, because you have two, I think, very evenly matched rosters with the exception of one position, and I think it's the quarterback position. And, and as we're looking at this game, in my mind, I think this really is going to come down to the quarterback. Tell us about Brock Purdy. I mean, I, without me kind of, I mean, I have my thoughts about what I've seen. A rookie quarterback has never won an NFC championship game, all that stuff. That's, but there's always a first time for everything. This guy's numbers, the stats he puts up on the back of the football card, looking real good so far. What is your confidence level and what is the fans' confidence level in Brock Purdy heading into this huge game? Well, I think most fans look at it like, we never thought he could do this, so why can't he win one more game or two more games? You know, I, we never yeah. thought we would be here when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, and yet we be here. So <laughs> I, I think that we look at it like, He's in the perfect situation. This was the situation the Niners wanted to bring Trey Lance up in, right? Great play mm -hmm. caller, great weapons around him, great defense supporting him. He has not done anything extraordinary in terms of, you know, making these jaw-dropping throws or anything like that, but he makes the plays that are there to be made, and he never makes a bad situation worse. And that is something with Jimmy Garoppolo that has gotten the 49ers into trouble. Brock hasn't done that. He'll throw the ball away. He'll swallow it and take a sack. He never makes a bad situation worse. And in the environment that he's in, that's all they need from him. Has he gotten away with some interceptions that should have been picked off these last couple of weeks? From my eyes, it looks like maybe he has. Absolutely. No question. He's had some interceptions overturned on a penalty. He's had some passes go right to defenders. Now, some of those were tipped, but whatever. They still count. Uh, and, and they have not been able to make the play. So he has absolutely looked a little better than his numbers uh, on paper look, for sure. And he has never played, he's never started an NFL game away from the West Coast, right? I mean, he's, he's got five home starts and his other two starts, one was in Seattle, one was in Las Vegas. This will be his first time coming across the country playing uh, against uh, an, a team on the East Coast. And obviously in the biggest stage one could possibly imagine here concerns on Brock Purdy making the trip East and, and playing in this kind of environment, like he's going to face in Philadelphia on Sunday. It's going to be crazy for sure. But luckily one of his starts was on the road in Seattle on a short week on Thursday night football. And like Trent Williams said this week, if you can handle it in Seattle, you can handle anything. You know, certainly that stadium in Seattle is louder than Philadelphia. Sorry, Eagles fans. It's true. <laughs> um, it is louder. But, you know, this is the thing that I'm starting to get to. And I've been very respectful of the Eagles all week. And now I just I want the game to start. So now I'm getting frustrated. Every yeah. question that you have about Brock Purdy in the playoffs, don't you also have the same question about Jalen Hurts? 
They've played the same number of playoff games in their career. Brock Purdy actually has more playoff wins than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is also facing a really good defense this week. So when, when people say that Brock Purdy has this big test in front of him, they're correct. But why aren't we saying the same thing about Jalen Hurts? My answer to that would be Jalen Hurts has played at a higher level for more games during the course of the season. I think he has started in different places. Um, I, I agree with you as far as postseason starts. Uh, Jalen Hurts has two. Brock Purdy has two. Jalen Hurts looked awful in his one start. Um, whereas, I, But it's also fair to remember last year against the Buccaneers, Jalen Rager was his number two wide receiver. He didn't have the talent that Brock Purdy has had around him in his first two playoff starts. And Jalen Hurts' first playoff start was on the road in Tampa against Tom Brady. Brock Purdy's first home playoff start was uh, against the, the Seahawks at home. And you know, it, it, I, there are differences there for sure. Jalen Hurts did not play well in his first playoff start. Jalen Hurts also starred in his playoff start against the Giants last week. And I think the, the body of work we've seen from Jalen over these last two years, I think it's just a little bit of a longer sample size. And when you're a second round pick, I think you probably get more of the benefit of the doubt than when you are a seventh round pick and the last player selected in the draft and, and your performance has surprised not only the country, but probably also the coaching staff and his teammates as well. So I think there's a, a fair amount of wondering, will the, will the bloom come off the rose? And I, I think the other thing here too is, and I'll, I'll let you talk after I'm done <laughs> babbling here, is the game's in Philadelphia. And I think that makes a big difference. Like if this game was in San Francisco, I think my tune would change quite a bit. I, I think the game being in Philadelphia, when you have a, a guy like Jalen Hurts, who is in his second full year as a starter, but third season as, a, as an NFL quarterback, I think makes a big difference. Well, you're right that Jalen has played to a higher level. That's undeniable. But I would, you know, I've seen Brock Purdy. His first career start came against Tom Brady and they whooped him 35 to seven. And Brock had a couple of touchdown passes in that game. I just. That's not the same Tampa team as last year, though. Okay. Right. I mean, right. Is it that different? Tom Brady was still there, wasn't he? I don't know. I'm just, I'm surprised that people are not looking at Jalen Hurts in the playoffs and saying, are we sure that he can do this? I mean, Lamar gets playoff criticism. Justin Herbert uh, is going to get some playoff criticism. It's interesting to me that we haven't done that with Jalen Hurts because he's been so good this year. Yeah, and I think because nobody expected him to win his playoff game last season. You know, you go in Fair. as the underdog. You sneak in as the last wild card. There were no expectations for Jalen. Like, last year was just a getting-your-feet-wet game. And I think everybody knew that going in. But there were questions after that game. Could Jalen Hurts beat a good team? Could Jalen Hurts beat a good defense? And I think you're right. I think this is a measuring stick game in a lot of ways for Jalen Hurts on Sunday afternoon. If he plays poorly against San Francisco you might have some of those questions begin to emerge. And I think that I think those questions would be fair. But for whatever reason, and I, I certainly feel it, whether it's his demeanor, his his manner of play on the field, the weapons that he has around them, I have more confidence that Jalen Hurts will play well, especially at home in front of the home crowd, than Brock Purdy will play well in a hostile environment in his, uh, really his first road game outside of the West Coast. I think all those factors are, are, are mounting um, in my eyes, as far as this quarterback matchup is concerned. But I, you know, it's a fair point what you ask. Jalen Hurts does not have years and years of playoff experience under his belt. Um, let's, I, I do want to get your take on the injury situation with San Francisco. We were recording this before practice begins on Friday for either team. But uh, after practice is on Thursday, it certainly looked as though the 49ers were dealing with some injury issues. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, both dealing uh, with some things. Uh, McCaffrey with the calf and, and Mitchell, it's a, it's a hamstring, right, with, that he's dealing with uh, right now? It's a groin. 
groin. Okay. Um, so, and, and I know Debo Samuel was limited in practice, um, at one point this week as well. Some, some injury things going on with the 49ers. What are you, what are you hearing about uh, their ability to play and how effective they might be? I mean, we don't know for sure, but what's your, what's your take on that right now? Yeah, that's really the big question. I have no doubt that they're all going to suit up and play. Christian McCaffrey literally said yesterday, there is 0% chance he misses the game. How effective they're going to be is another matter because remember in the game against the Cowboys last week, the final two drives, Christian McCaffrey was on the sideline except for third down. He would come in for third down when the Niners really needed a play, but then he would go right back to the sideline. And those were must have, got to have it drives in the playoffs and he couldn't perform out there. So I have no doubt that he's going to play, but is he going to be close to the same guy that we saw earlier in the year? I really have my doubts. And Elijah Mitchell is constantly banged up when he goes out on the field. Now, I think he'll gut it out, but I actually am a little concerned about the run game. I think we may see more Debo Samuel as a running back in this game because he might be sort of the healthiest ball carrier that the 49ers have. Well, and that takes away a weapon on the outside if he's going to be a ball carrier. Now, we've seen him be very effective in that role, and he's obviously not going to get 25 carries in the backfield, but uh, it'll be interesting. I think one of the big advantages, and correct me if I'm wrong, with the way Kyle Shanahan uses his offense is that he has so many skill position players that are essentially utility knife players, right? I mean, they can, they can do Swiss army knife guys. They, they can do any number of different things. You can split Christian McCaffrey out wide. You can bring Debo Samuel in the backfield. You can uh, have a, a George Kittle go out wide. You can have him tight to the line. You can have him in the slot. I mean, there's so many different formations. The 49ers and Kyle Shanahan can throw at the Eagles defense. It, I wonder how, how much that goes away and, what that means for the Eagles defense, what kind of looks that they would bring, how that might change how they play the 49ers. What, what is it that Kyle Shanahan does that is so mystifying to defenses and gets his players into space? Well, number one, he uses those interchangeable parts to dictate a lot of things to a defense, right? If you want to play man coverage against the 49ers 21 personnel group, good luck because you're in trouble because Kyle's going to move you all around. Kyle will have Kyle Juszczyk out wide. That'll take one of your linebackers out of the middle of the field. He'll have George Kittle out wide. He'll have Debo in the backfield, which brings one of your corners in the box. And, and maybe he runs out of that. And good luck trying to tackle Debo Samuel with a corner in the box. So he can dictate a lot of different things if you're going to play man coverage. And then if you're going to play zone coverage and Kyle knows you're going to play zone coverage, well, he can he can pick you apart there. But the essence of the offense is essentially make it look like one thing and then do the opposite thing. And Kyle is very, very good at setting that up. And he's not afraid to do the same play out of multiple formations if it's working. He will spam it Madden style on you. As long as it works, he will press until it hurts. And so the combination of the interchangeable parts and just that that disguise really helps the 49ers pick up chunk plays down the field. It also seems like right now George Kittle is the focus of the offense with Brock Purdy in there. Purdy has been targeting him a ton. I know Kittle has a ton of touchdowns uh, since Brock Purdy became the starter over like the last six weeks or so. Uh, can the Eagles take away George Kittle? I, I, it sounds as though they're going to have Avante Maddox back for this game, so they'll have their starting three corners. They'll have their starting safeties. It sounds like everybody, all of their starters are going to be healthy for this game, which is I mean, as healthy as you can be for this time of year, it's, which is kind of crazy. Given given that, I mean, and can they take away George Kittle? And if they do, how vulnerable does that leave them to other guys on the field? I wouldn't be surprised to see them limit Kittle 
you know, between the 20s. But I think where you really want to focus on him is in the red zone. George Kittle has caught 23% of his career touchdown passes since Brock Purdy became the starting quarterback, which is just an insane crazy. thing. But <laughs> they have clicked in the red zone. And I think part of it, honestly, is because Kyle's offense can sometimes get bogged down in the red zone. They can struggle. But Purdy's strength is extending the play with his mobility and making something happen. So that perfectly picks up the slack, essentially, for Shanahan's deficiencies in that area. And a lot of times we've seen Purdy just kind of make an off-schedule play, and he usually looks for Kittle. And he's also more willing to throw the ball into the actual end zone than Jimmy Garoppolo was. Garoppolo would always throw it short and hope somebody could run into the end zone. Brock will chuck it into the end zone. So that has led to a big connection with Kittle. So if the Eagles are going to try and, and really go crazy taking him away, that's really where they should focus on it. The reputation of the 49ers offense also is that they just run the ball all the time. All they do is run the ball. Run, 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 run. Is is that real? Is that true? Like, is that is that the main focus of what Shanahan does? And if that's the case, I would imagine the 49ers are aware that the Eagles run defense has gotten much better since Linval Joseph arrived midseason than it was early in the season when it truly you it was a it was a paper thin defense as far <laughs> as running the football is concerned. I mean, you could you could run for days on this team. If Kyle could, he would run the ball every single play. Don't forget, this is a team that won the NFC Championship game in 2019, and they threw six or eight passes, excuse me, in the game. So, like, if if it works, Kyle will do it because he's a conservative coach at heart, and he wants to limit exposure and limit turnovers. And your odds of turning the ball over are much lower if you run the ball than if you pass the ball. So they want to. The one thing I'll say about the Niners run game is I think it looks a little better on paper than it is in real life. It's kind of like the boogeyman. They will usually break off a big run, 30, 40, 50 yards. They usually get one of those per game. But then the rest of the runs are like three and a half, four yards per carry. So if you look at the stats at the end of the game, you're like, oh, wow, the Niners ran for five yards a carry. But in actuality, they didn't really have that consistent, a successful running game. They just popped a couple of big plays. Now, those still count. I agree. But sometimes I think the thought of those plays scares opposing defensive coordinators more than the actual run game itself. I do want to ask you about uh, Debo Samuel real quick. I I was kind of surprised to see this, see that he's under 60 receiving yards in eight of his last nine games. Is Is that because Brock Purdy... Is is finds it more difficult to throw to the outside. I mean, with all these, with, with all the attention Kittle is getting, that obviously means there are fewer balls to go around. So, is there a frustration level around Debo Samuel's limited production? How has he been looking over these last few weeks, knowing that he's kind of dealing with a little bit of an injury issue himself? I'm frustrated with it. I'll tell you that. I mean, he really has not had the same kind of year that he did last year. Now, granted. Last year was an historic season. Few wide receivers in NFL history have ever had a year like Debo Samuel had. But he's only caught two receiving touchdowns this year. And it just seems like for whatever reason, they are not using him down the field. I don't know if it's a separation issue, but every time they throw the ball to Debo, it's like one yard past the line of scrimmage. And what I keep saying about him is he is going to break the first tackle that comes his way. He just is because he's incredible. But when you throw it to him so close to the line of scrimmage, That guy is a defensive lineman or a linebacker. If you throw it to Debo further down the field, that first tackle that he breaks is going to be a corner or a safety, and then you could potentially get a massive, massive play. So 
I don't know if it's a separation issue with Debo or what the problem is, but he has not been nearly as productive as he has as he was last year. And it is frustrating because we know how good we can be when he is on. Last thing on the the Niners offense before we flip different sides of the ball. I think the key to this game, and especially the key to the Eagles winning this game, is getting to Purdy, getting him to to be moving backwards in the pocket, right? To be kind of like we saw with Daniel Jones last week, to be kind of moving away from the line of scrimmage, getting that pressure both from the sides with Hassan Reddick, who's had a monster season, had another big game against the Giants, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, all those guys coming at you from the edge, and then all that pressure that the Eagles can bring from up the middle uh, on on passing downs. And this is where some of the Kyle Shanahan confusion comes in. You never really know when you can have your big bodies, your run stuffers along the line, and when you can kind of go with more of a, a pass rush defensive line. But uh, when the Eagles do get into those obvious pass rushing situations, Brock Purdy being able to stay in the pocket and step up in the pocket and make throws might... My prediction is that he throws a couple of picks in this game, if only because he's getting knocked off his spot. How can the how good is the 49ers offensive line? How how well do you think they will be able to protect him on Sunday? Uh, I have my worries. Let me say that the 49ers, especially in like must pass situations, the 49ers offensive line can be very, very problematic. So that is going to make it really important for the Niners to be able to have some sort of balance on offense and keep the game close because if they just have to straight drop back pass, it's going to be dicey, especially even against a team that doesn't have four guys with 10 plus sacks like the Eagles, I would worry. Uh, With Brock, he struggles to step up in the pocket. He always bails and he usually bails left, even out of clean pockets sometimes. That's what I've noticed so far in his games. Uh, And he's talked about Brian Greasy, the quarterback coach, telling him, when you drop back, you got to go north and south. That's where you got to escape to. Don't always bail out to the edge because you're not faster than these guys in the end. You're not at Iowa State anymore, Brock. And so that's been a coaching point that that doesn't always play out on the field. But Brock is not a scrambler. He really extends the play to throw. The highest rushing yards he's ever had in one game is 16, which he had against Seattle. He does not run the ball. He always looks to extend the play and get rid of it. And I, I do worry about him in this game because that Eagles front is scary good. Well, let's take a look at the 49ers front, which is also uh, scary good, especially Nick Bosa. The last time these two teams played, it was uh, last year, early in the season when the 49ers beat the Eagles 17 to 11. Bosa had two sacks of Jalen Hurts in that game. Now, uh, again, both these teams looked a little bit differently. That's almost a year and a half ago at this point, but... um, Nick Bosa continues to to rack up the sack totals, and we know how good this defense is, especially the linebackers in the middle of the field. Um, what's the plan with attacking Jalen Hurts? How, how healthy do you believe that he is? Well, I mean, he seems to be leading people to believe that he's pretty banged up. Uh, I mean, what did he say this week? I, I've felt better. I mean, yeah. that's kind of a surprising yeah. admission from him. If I were the 49ers, this is what I would do. If the Eagles ever run an option play, I would attack the running back and crash down every single time, force Jalen to keep the ball. And let's see how good he's feeling, right? If he wants to keep the ball and take the pounding from Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire. Okay. Good on you. And if you want to do that for four quarters, we'll see it. But it's almost like the old Jordan rules back in the day against the Pistons, where every time Jordan would go for a layup, the Pistons said, we're going to knock him to the ground. 
That's what I would do. I need the Jalen rules from the 49ers. <laughs> Every time there's an option, crash down and force Jalen to keep the ball. And if he is trying to protect that shoulder a little bit, maybe he wants to run out of bounds or get down, that's only going to help the 49ers. I would imagine this is the best offensive line the 49ers have seen this year. Yes. So how do you see Nick Bosa lining up in this game? Is he going to be singled up mostly on Jordan Mailata on his right side, the Eagles left side, or will this be a Nick Bosa uh, Lane Johnson game? Cause my, my thinking is they want to get him away from Lane Johnson and get him on the other side of the formations. To, Cause just doesn't matter how good you are. People don't beat Lane Johnson. Well, I wonder if they'll sort of test that out early. Cause Lane's a little banged up, right? He's going to need surgery mm-hmm. after yep. the year. So yep. I wonder if Bosa lines up on him intentionally early a couple of times just to maybe get a sense. But he has the freedom to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. D'Amico Ryans lets him pick his side and, you know, he can just adapt to whatever situation. But I also think you'll see him up the middle a couple of times, too. The Niners do a lot of stunts and things like that. So he's going to move around everywhere and they need him to be the defensive player of the year this week. Because if you look at the Niners sack numbers, it's kind of Bosa and then a bunch of other guys. It's not like the the balance that the Eagles have where you've got four guys with 10. It's Bosa with 18 and a half. And I think Samson Ebukam is next with four and a half in the regular season. So it's kind of all on Bosa. If the Eagles are going to score points in this game, can they do it running the football? I know San Francisco's run defense is outstanding. They've given up a lot of yards to wide receivers uh, during the course of this year. A lot of people talking about this as being an A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith game. I did think it was interesting. I saw this number that the 49ers pass defense has given up a passer rating of 98.2 to tight ends this season. And your logic tells you, well, they shouldn't. this might not be a big Dallas Goddard game because of Warner in the middle of the field and, and all the weapons that they have there. But I thought I thought that was interesting that that uh, that the tight ends have had that kind of success. I mean, it's not otherworldly, but it's also not as dire as as you would think. But if you're looking at if the if you're Nick Sirianni and you're Shane Steichen and you're coming into this game, seeing how much you ran the ball last week and how successful you were against the Giants run game, uh, run defense last week, I don't think the Eagles can have that kind of success. But how good is the 49ers run defense? Can they tamp down on an Eagles running game that not only features the running backs, like you just mentioned, but also the possibility of Jalen Hurts getting out and running for 70, 80 yards on the day if he's healthy. If you told me that the Eagles want to attack the 49ers rush defense, I would just say thank you very much. Please try. <laughs> the Niners haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. I don't think they've given up more than 80 yards in a game all season long. They are incredible against the run. I could be wrong about that last one, but I'm pretty sure that's the teeth of this defense. And part of what makes them so good is they allow the fewest yards after contact of any team in the league. They can tackle and it's everybody. It's not just the big names, the linebackers, it's the safeties, the corners. Charvarius Ward, I think, has missed one tackle all season long. They bring you to the ground and they swarm. So if the Eagles want to attack the rush defense, I would say, yes, please. Now, I know the 49ers have, I mean, you mentioned, I think Ben Solak brought this up on the, the Philly Ringer podcast you were on earlier this week, the, the the running quarterback situation. The 49ers, when they faced Justin Fields earlier in the season, wasn't really running to the degree that he was at the end of the season. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there who run like Jalen Hurts. So how, have, the 49ers, have the 49ers had a lot of experience this year? How much experience have they had dealing with the threat of a running quarterback like Hurts? 
Not a ton, although I do think this narrative that like, oh, it's the big weakness of the 49ers defense. Tell me the defense that's awesome against running quarterbacks. Like, right, there's not many. We're talking <laughs> right. about guys that can run like a four or five that have all sorts of protections about where and when you can tackle them. Like, yeah, it's hard to stop. Um, the big game that people bring up is the Atlanta game earlier this year where Marcus Mariota had kind of a successful day. But there were eight right. of 11 defensive starters missing for the 49ers in that game. So that defense that Mariota faced is not the defense that's going to be on the field Sunday against the Eagles. I don't worry about the designed runs with Jalen Hurts. I think the Niners will be able to deal with those. Where I think that he's going to hurt them is on scrambles, especially up the middle, because I have seen a lot of times this year where the Niners ends get too far in their pass rush. They rush past the depth of the quarterback, and that just opens up all kinds of lanes for anyone that has any kind of mobility. And we saw it last week against the Cowboys on that fourth down play. They crashed to try and get to sack Dak and he just stepped right up and there was nobody in the middle of the field because the Niners usually have their linebackers in coverage because they're really good coverage linebackers. So if Jalen's going to hurt the Niners with his legs, it's going to be scrambling, not as much on the designed running plays. All right, last, uh, last couple for you here. If the 49ers win this game outside the quarterback who has who has to have a big game for them in order for that to happen it could be offense or defense who's the star of the game who's the star of the game if the 49ers win this thing i think it has to be debo samuel because he's the one not the one but he's the biggest guy when it comes to just making plays on his own, right? He doesn't necessarily need Kyle Shanahan to dial up the perfect play call or for there to be a coverage bust with the Eagles. He could catch a pass, break four tackles himself, and run for 70 yards. And I think that's the kind of Debo that they're going to need. I don't think the Niners are going to be able to sustain 10, 11, 12 play drives all the time against the Eagles. That defense is too good. You're going to need a, a big play or two from Debo you know, a 30, 40, 50 yard play to get you down the field, flip field position and put you in a, in a spot where you can score a touchdown. So to me, it's gotta be Debo Samuel. I need 2021 Debo Samuel in this game. And I'll ask the question for the other team. Uh, if the Eagles end up winning this thing again, putting Jalen Hurts aside, I think everybody knows that if the Eagles win this game, Jalen Hurts has to play well. If he doesn't play well, the Eagles don't have much of a chance of winning this game. Outside of Jalen Hurts, who has to have a big game for the Eagles, again, either offensively or defensively, for them to win? I think I'm going to go with Devontae Smith on offense. And here's why I say that. If you look at the 49ers, they've given up a lot of good games to number one wide receivers, whether it's Devontae Adams, whether it's DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin when they played Washington. Number one guys, Cooper Cup, have had really good games against the 49ers, and their teams have still gotten blown out because the Niners don't allow anybody else to do anything. So mm -hmm. I think A.J. Brown can probably have a great game because he's a beast. He's torched the 49ers before. But what happens with Smith? Do the Niners shut him down? Does Diamador Lenore, you know, kind of limit Smith? Because if he does, then the Niners have a chance. But it's a tall order because Smith is incredible and Lenore is up and down, let's say. So if he can be that second threat for Philly, because like I said, I don't think Jalen's going to do too much on the ground. That's where I think the Eagles can find success. All right. So uh, let's get a prediction from you here. If you feel comfortable giving one at this point, Eagles versus 49ers, NFC Championship game. Rob, Stats, Guerrera on the record. Who's going to the Super Bowl? I hate to say it, but I picked the Eagles to make the Super Bowl in the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with them. 
Wise choice. Wise choice, Rob. I just think they are the team the 49ers wanted to be with Trey Lance, right? They wanted the mobile quarterback. They wanted the guy that can hit you deep down the field, but also hurt you with his legs. And I just think they are more balanced than the 49ers right now. And I, it's going to be close. I also give the edge to Sirianni because he's way more aggressive than Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan can pucker and turtle up in big game situations. The Eagles have converted three times as many fourth downs as the 49ers have this year. That could be a factor in this game. So I'm going to go Eagles 28, Niners 21. Okay, I I like that pick. Um, I I think, in my mind, and tell me if you agree with this, I think the key to this game is going to be red zone efficiency. Yes. Right? The 49ers last week were kicking field goals. They just, you got inside, and even though they have a big guy in Kittle and they have all those weapons, uh, when when you, I think when... The how you get most of your yardage is yards after the catch, which is I know the 49ers specialty. That gets a little harder when the field gets a little bit shorter. And like you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan is probably not as likely to get aggressive on those third and shorts and fourth and shorts. He's willing to take those field goals. And um certainly his the the way he kind of puckered up right before halftime oh. uh last week. I know you've talked a lot about how that was infuriating. Uh, you know, you've got this great offense and you're afraid to give the ball back to the to the Cowboys uh, offense right before the half. And, and the Eagles, we know, are really good with Jalen Hurts inside the red zone. They 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 just look at they look. And I think you have said this. This is your line. I'm going to steal your line. A field goal is a loss, right? Field goals are failures. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Field goals are failures. And I think that is kind of the way the Eagles play it, too. So uh, I think that's the, that's going to be the key. You know, both these teams are going to move the football. I think inside the 20, it's going to be that's going to be who's scoring touchdowns, who's kicking field goals in this one. Um, listen, folks, make sure that you are checking out everything that Rob Stats Guerrera is doing. The new podcast, the Gold Standard podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Stats on Fire. There is no one better to read and to listen to about the San Francisco 49ers. And you're going to want to get all that content in your earballs as we get closer to this NFC championship game. Rob, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, we'll step away, take a quick break. When we come back, I will preview the AFC championship game coming up after the Eagles 49ers NFC championship game on Sunday night. And I will give you my predictions and some matchups to watch as well for the NFC title game. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So let's quickly take a look at this AFC Championship game preview. And uh, you've got Joe Burrow going up against Patrick Mahomes. It looks like Mahomes is going to be decent enough with a high ankle sprain to play on Sunday night. As long as it's not something that's hobbling him, you knew he was going to get back out on the field. But anytime an athlete, a quarterback, suffers a high ankle sprain, you're really thinking that they're going to be limited, and and they almost certainly miss games with a high ankle sprain. But for, from what we're seeing from Chiefs practices during the course of the week, Patrick Mahomes will suit up. And the league MVP, certainly, I think it's interesting how this game has shifted. Or when when the line first came out uh, after uh, after the Bengals beat the Bills, 
you had the the Chiefs up by I think it was like a point and a half, and then very quickly when people started to realize that Mahomes uh, that you know how good Burrow looked, how good the Bengals looked, and you knew about the Mahomes high ankle sprain, uh, people started to then wonder whether or not the Chiefs were the right team to be putting their money on, and the line shifted, and the Bengals were the favorites for most of the week, and then late in the week the, the Chiefs have become the favorites again. I think because people believe that Patrick Mahomes is is going to be healthy enough to not only play but to also be effective. And so um, I think this is, I think it's interesting that much of the conversation seems to be shifting towards Joe Burrow. Um, And Joe Burrow is great. No doubt about it. I I don't know if he's better than Mahomes. I think he's better than Jalen Hurts for sure. If Joe Burrow isn't the best quarterback in the NFL right now, he's the number two quarterback in the NFL. And I think uh, we saw him play against Josh Allen in Buffalo and the difference in styles and composure between the two quarterbacks. Joe Burrow is the coolest cat around, man. He just that's everything. Everything you hear about how cool the dude is, he he is. That's that's his thing. And this Bengals offense is loaded. They can beat you in so many different ways. Kansas City's defense is decent, but I they Joe Burrow has had a lot of success against uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs in his career. Um, Bengals have have lost have beaten them two straight times. And I know that Mahomes' health is kind of hanging over things like a little bit of a a black cloud here. This game is in Kansas City. And and yes, the Bengals have gone in to some very tough places and won. They went into Kansas City last year and won. They went into Buffalo this year and won. They can go into tough places and win football games. That being said, I think this time around, the Chiefs end up coming out on on the right side of this thing. Um, this feels like a game that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can get back. Everybody's, I, I think most of the, most of the people, most folks are picking the Bengals here. Uh, I know on the, on the Bleeding Green Nation site, uh, mostly what I've seen are people uh, picking the Bengals. And I just feel like maybe people are going over to that side just a, a little bit too much. I, I think there's a little bit too much money on the Bengals, a little bit too many people kind of, we get swayed by the most recent thing, and you know sometimes we have a, a, a feeling about things, and a lot of times those feelings are, are are right, and that's kind of I have feelings about the Eagles having all the momentum right now. Feels like the Bengals have more momentum, more momentum, but also the Bengals had to play an extra playoff game because the Chiefs earned the number one seed in the playoffs. And the Chiefs did struggle with the Jaguars a little bit at home. So, listen, the hot pick is the Bengals right now. I get it. Joe Burrow is amazing. He just continues to go on the road and beat amazing teams. And I know there's concern over Mahomes' ankle. But it looks like he's going to be able to go. And I believe that at some point, Cincinnati's offensive line issues are going to catch up to them. They have a number of injuries. They played great against Buffalo last week, well well above their heads. But I'm just not sure Cincinnati's offensive line is going to be able to hold up for another week in a hostile environment. And it might not be until they play whoever is the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. But I think Kansas City is due to reach another one. And I I just think this is a game in Kansas City. Mahomes looks like he looks like he's healthy enough, and and the Chiefs want to have a little bit of revenge on their mind, having lost two in a row to the Bengals. It is, it's one thing to beat the Giants three games in a row. It's another thing to beat the Chiefs three games in a row, with two of those games being on the road. And so I think the Kansas City Chiefs end up winning this game. I think they win the AFC Championship, and I think they get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I think it'll be a close one, but I like the Chiefs to win this one in a high-scoring game, 34-31. to 31. Which brings me to the NFC Championship game, my prediction for the Eagles and the 49ers. 
These are two exceedingly evenly matched teams outside of the quarterback. When you take the quarterback out of the picture, I think it's hard to say who's better. I think the Eagles' win over the Giants last week was confirmation that what we saw over the first 14 weeks of the regular season was not a mirage. It, we were all wondering if they could have that kind of a performance again in the playoffs with Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson not 100%. We now know that they can. This team is expected to have every single regular season starter ready to play on Sunday. Avante Maddox should be back now, which is just unheard of this time of year. And we talked a lot about all the different matchups that could favor one position group over the other. There are certainly many paths to the 49ers winning this game on Sunday afternoon. But for me, when you have two pretty evenly matched rosters like this, again, with some advantages on one side, some advantages on another side, I think there's a bigger disparity in the quarterback than a lot of 49ers fans would have you believe. Now, maybe not Rob. Rob sounds like he, you know, is not fully trusting Brock Purdy. And probably most 49ers fans if they're honest with themselves, realize that what they're asking Brock Purdy to do might just be impossible. No rookie quarterback in 112 previous conference championship games played throughout NFL history has ever won this game. Not one. Not Dan Marino. Not Joe Montana. Not uh, Roger Stallback. Uh, not Peyton Manning. Not, not not, Tom Brady. None of the greats, no rookie quarterback has ever won a conference championship game. And so you're going to tell me that with all of the great quarterbacks we've seen throughout history, that the third string, last pick in the seventh round, Brock Purdy, is going to be the first? Now, I could maybe understand if the Giants had somehow managed to beat the Eagles last week. If it's the Giants going into San Francisco, that maybe Brock Purdy could do it. Yes, I could, I, could, I could see that argument. I could see it happening. But against a loaded Eagles team that almost broke the NFL sack record this year? Against an Eagles team with a quarterback who should have been the league MVP, might have been the league MVP if he doesn't get hurt? A guy who has played at the highest level imaginable? Jalen Hurts, a guy who looks like an inevitable offensive machine when he's healthy right now? With all of the skill players, with a roster that's as evenly balanced as the 49ers, you're telling me that the difference in quarterbacks, and I, I wonder if, if, if it were the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers hosting Brock Purdy, whether or not we would still be giving Brock Purdy this much benefit of the doubt as well as he's played. I don't think we would be. I think, we, I think there are still a lot of people around the NFL who are unsure about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. And I don't know what else you need to see, gang. I don't know what else you need to see. This Eagles team is loaded. They are well coached. They have answers for everything. They're well-rested. They're healthier than the 49ers. And you tell, you're telling me against a fully healthy, fully rested Philadelphia Eagles team that won, that lost one game that went 15 and 1 with Jalen Hurts at quarterback that this is going to be the NFC Championship game where a rookie quarterback breaks a a a what 56 year drought of rookie rookie quarterbacks winning the game I don't see it 
I don't see it. And here's the other thing I'll say. A lot of people talking about this game is going to be really, really close. And the line would tell you that it's probably going to be really, really close. I think the Eagles should be more than a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this should be a three-and-a-half game, four-point game, the Eagles' favor. I don't think I, – I think, I think the Brock Purdy play has been a bit of a mirage. He's throwing the ball to one guy. He's throwing the ball to George Kittle. If you can take away the middle of the field from Brock Purdy and the Eagles have enough good players to do that – and you can get pressure on him, and that's where this game is going to come down to, getting pressure on Brock Purdy. I do believe this defensive line can get pressure on him, force him into turnovers. I think I guarantee you he's going to throw at least two interceptions in this game. I guarantee you he's going to get sacked at least four or five times in this game. And if all that happens, if my predictions are correct, I don't think this game is all that close. I'm going to be the one guy that's predict. If the Eagles win, it's not a close game. If the 49ers win, I do think it's close. But if the Eagles win this game, I don't think it's a field goal game. I think it's a fairly comfortable win. I think it's a 10-point win. I think it's a 14-point win. I think the Eagles will win this game. I think the 49ers offense will struggle. And I think the Eagles, at a certain point, with the, will, will be able to continuing to shut down. The, we, I mean, we saw the 49ers offense last week. That did not look like a juggernaut offense. All those field goals they were kicking. I, I think they're going to struggle inside the red zone against the Eagles defense. I think going into a hostile territory like Philadelphia, Brock Purdy's never played any. I mean, he, Rob mentioned Seattle. Coming to Philadelphia in the playoffs with, the trip, with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line is a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. And I think, I think we are at a point now where it's going to catch up to them. I, I think the difference in quarterback, now that you're at this stage, is going to shine through. I think Jalen Hurts and the offense is going to have a good game. I was really impressed with Jonathan Gannon and the way they were able to handle the Giants last week. And I think they're going to handle the 49ers. And I think by the middle of the fourth quarter, we're going to start to feel very comfortable with things. I think the Eagles win the NFC Championship 30-17 to and face off against their, their old head coach, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's my prediction. We'll see how it turns out. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Rob Guerrero once again for coming on the podcast. Folks, enjoy this. We don't get these all that often. I mean, listen, we get them more often than the Dallas Cowboys. So, But we should still make sure to, uh, to uh, uh, savor this as much as you can uh, and enjoy the ride. You know, we're certainly anxious to get to a Super Bowl again and hopefully win that thing. But enjoy this NFC title game. Your birds are one of four teams left playing here in the 2023 NFL season. It would be disappointing if they lose this game, but I don't think that's going to happen. So enjoy the game, enjoy the ride, and hopefully uh, we will be talking over the next couple of weeks here on this podcast, getting ready to preview the Super Bowl against either the 40, against either the, uh, the Chiefs or the Bengals in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N.